Good morning, everyone. Uh, Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jonathan Rickert. I lead the Sunday service teams here at Church in the Valley, and I'm actually going to be stepping in and subbing for Alex this week as he's out of town. So last week we started a new message series called Box Office Wisdom. This is a series that we do each and every summer. And in this series what we do is we take a look at some of the movies that are coming out this summer and then look at the themes that are in those movies. And we don't do that as a way to try and endorse the movies, but instead we really want to take those themes and compare them against what the Bible says is reality. You know, Movies have actually very powerful messages in them. Um, And as we experience those messages, we can actually begin to um, change our thinking and go about life in a different way. Um, So we really actually have to be careful to make sure that we're filtering those messages and uh, make sure that we're not bringing in anything that can harm us because it's not uh, aligned with reality. So since today is Father's Day, we're going to be looking at the movie King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Um, And actually, we're going to be looking at the idea of manhood. Um, In our culture, the understanding what it takes to be a man is actually something that's widely been lost. Um, I was actually reading an article this week from the New York Times in which a professor asked a group of students, what does it look like to be a good man? And what does it look like to be a man? And there was a great disparity between what people thought it took to be a good man and what it thought to be a man. It really just confirmed for him that there's a lot of confusion in American men about what it means to be a man. And at this school, this professor is actually now the um, sort of the builder and creator of a new master program that you can be a part of that is uh, essentially male studies and understanding what it means to be a male in today's world. Um, So, you know, we've gotten to the point that we actually have to go to college to understand what it means to be a man. Um, So, you know, deep down. You know, guys really want to be men. So how do we how do we become men if, if we don't know how? How do we go about doing that? Um, who should we aspire to be? I don't think most of us are going to go, you know, go get this masters. Um, yeah. What do we do to raise our sons? How do we train boys so that ultimately they will grow up to be men? Um, ladies, who what should you look for in a guy so that as you're, you know, deciding to pair your life with them, know that you're going to be marrying a true man and not. Some just guy. So today we're going to be looking. (laughs) Today we're going to be looking at, first of all, what the movies say about this. And then we're also going to be looking at what the Bible says about it. So we'll go ahead and start at looking at King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, and what it has to say about manhood. Go ahead and rail that trailer. Why is the wolf dropped? There are rumors. The legend of the sword. Of a king other than yourself. Find him. I know your story. What kind of a man would you become had you inherited your father's kingdom instead of being raised in a brothel? What gave you such drive? It was Vort 
once again will murder your father. But what you can account for is what you can do with this sword. We need to be careful. His power is increasing. When people fear you, it is the most intoxicating sensation a man can possess. You're starting to mean something. You're no longer a myth. Again, movies have powerful messages, because I don't know about you, but right now I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, so to not give away any spoilers, um, but to just kind of give you a general plot of this movie, it's a, it's a new version of the story of King Arthur. And um, basically, a young Arthur sort of runs this gang on the back streets of Londinium. And uh, he doesn't know that he's actually the rightful heir to the throne. Um, his father and mother were murdered by this tyrant, Vortigern, who basically took over the kingdom. So through a series of events, he ends up drawing the sword Excalibur out of the stone, which reveals that he is the rightful king um, of the kingdom. And he has to decide whether he's going to become involved in the influence of his power and the influence of the power of the sword. And so he ultimately decides the throne with the resistance. Um, he has to learn to master the sword, face down his demons and, you know, unite the kingdom to take back his throne. Um, and so this, this movie presents Arthur as this hero, you know, a real hero that, you know, in many ways it kind of draws our heart to aspire to be like him. Um, you know, and in, in this is actually kind of falls within a category of, of movies. And in it, what we see of, of men is that men are them who step up into battle. Um, they fight for what is right and they willingly sacrifice and even suffer for the cause. You know, they tend to try to avenge the wrong that's been that's been done. And, you know, find power with them themselves to win out the day. Um, but this type of picture of manhood isn't the only picture in our media about what it looks like to be a man. Um, and so I actually want to look for a moment at some other categories or another category of what uh, being a man can look like. So first of all, the first category is what I'm going to call a blockbuster man. Um, and so here's some images of blockbuster men. And, you know, they fall into that same category of King Arthur, you know, really fighting for what is right. Um, and so probably all your guys are thinking, yeah, you know, that's me right there. I'm that guy. But there's also there's another image in our culture that kind of depicts something of what men might look like. And I'm going to call that the sitcom image of men. So here's the sitcom image of men. Now, hopefully all the women aren't there aren't thinking, yeah, that's you, honey. Um, you know, and there, there's actually a reason that guys' hearts are drawn towards that blockbuster image of mankind or of being a man. Um, it really resonates with us. And the reason for that is it actually hits upon some truths in the way that God has actually created us. The danger is it's not 100% accurate. So if we actually begin to base our lives on that image and try to live that out, um, we're going to run into problems. 
So let's now turn and see, you know, what does God say it means to be a man? And we're going to be looking at that through the person of Joshua. So who was Joshua? Um, Probably one of the best ways to describe Joshua is that Joshua was the assistant of Moses. So look at Joshua. We're actually going to look a little bit at Moses. And who Moses was is Moses was the man that God raised up to lead the people of Israel out of slavery from Egypt across the wilderness and to inherit this land that he had promised to their forefathers. So Moses did this. He let the people out of slavery. He led them through all sorts of adventures and times. And there actually came a point when they were going to go ahead and occupy the new promised land. Um, But Moses actually did not have the opportunity to join them in occupying that land. Because of some sin he had committed while leading the people, um, he wasn't going to have the opportunity to join with them. So at this point, God taps Joshua on the shoulder and says, it's time for you to lead the people moving forward. Um, Now I want to stop and look at this for a moment because it's actually a really big deal. Um, If you look at the story of Exodus and how God led the people through Moses, you know, he performed quite a few miracles through Moses. Um, This was the man that they had seen God leading through. And now they're about to enter the promised land. And God says, oh, by the way, you're going to have a new leader. Now, this entering the promised land wasn't them walking into, you know, this unoccupied space. They were actually going into war. Um, The promised land was filled with people that had strongly been disobedient to God, and God was calling the people of Israel to take over that land. Um, So I can only imagine the pressure that both the people and Joshua felt at that moment that in this really stressful time of about to enter war, they have this change of leadership. The guy that God had been working through for years is now being stepping to the side, and his assistant is coming up to take his place. So this is the situation that we that Joshua found himself in the verses that we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at Joshua 1, 1 through 9. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving them to the people, uh, giving to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I have promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So I want to stop one click and say one thing. This wasn't like a small area, too, that they were going to go take over. This was actually a large area that Joshua was now going to have to lead this people to go into war. No man should be able to stand before you all the days of your life, but just as I was with Moses, so I will also be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. And again, so they're not going into this vacuum. They're going into war. And he's saying no man's going to be able to stand before Joshua. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So in these verses, what we see is that God is commissioning Joshua to lead the people of Israel into obtaining the land that had been promised to them. And this picture, these verses also give a good picture of what manhood looks like. So what does it mean to be a man based on these verses? A man gets a strong grasp on life. 
He courageously moves forward in doing what is right, and he obediently trusts in God. Again, he gets a strong grasp on life, courageously moves forward in what is right, and obediently trusts in God. And let's go ahead and look at these three things in turn. Now, as you may have noticed in these nine verses, God actually commands Joshua three times to be strong and courageous. And I know the first time I looked at this, I thought, well, Joshua must kind of be a little timid, you know, for God to have to tell him three times, be strong and courageous. By the way, be strong and courageous. And in case you didn't hear me the first two times, be strong and courageous. But if you actually look at the history of Joshua, you know, Joshua is actually a very bold man. There was one point when 12 spies were sent into the land, uh, the promised land, to basically check it out, see what they were getting themselves into. And what they found is that this land was great. It was really bountifully rich, but it was also filled with giants of men. And so they come back out and report to the people. And 10 of these guys say, yeah, if we go in there, we're all going to die. So, you know, it might be better just to do something else. Um, And what Joshua, one other man said is, let's do it. It's time to go. So, you know, I don't think timidity was the issue, but instead God commands Joshua three times because I think it's something that's very important. Um, We need to be strong. Now, this book of the Bible, Joshua, was written in the Hebrew language. And if we look at that original Hebrew word of what it means to be strong, it can actually sort of open up some of the meaning and give us a little better picture of what that means. And so what it means to be strong is to um, be fortified, reinforced in strength, like steeled. Um, And it also carries a meaning of getting a good grasp um, on things. And so I work in architecture, uh, for those of you who don't know. So I tend to think in terms of buildings, materials. So when I hear this reinforce the strength, what I think of is concrete and steel. What concrete is, concrete has this great compressive strength. You can just keep putting weight on it and weight on it and weight on it. And it says, yeah, bring it on. Come on, let's go. And what steel does is steel makes it even stronger. And steel also helps concrete be able to take any sort of pressure and loads that are even coming through the sides so that it is reinforced. It is mighty. Um, And so in these verses, what we see is that God has given Joshua an assignment. And that assignment is going to carry a lot of weight to it. You know, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. And so he's calling Joshua to fortify himself um, so that he can bear up underneath that weight and be able to do the things that he needs to do. Um, You know, he needs to get a firm grasp on that assignment so that he can carry it out. It's again, it's that load on top of you. He needs to be able to hold that well for it not to be loose where he might be able, might be dropping it. And so if we look at what this practically means for our own lives, Um, We need to get a firm grasp on our responsibilities. Um, Again, not dropping them, but being reinforced that we can continue to move forward and do the things that, you know, God has called us to. When things get hard and difficult, we continue to move forward because we're not we don't live static lives where we just kind of sit there and hold the weight. You know, we kind of have to keep moving through life um, and doing those things. So men are called to be strong, to endure in the weight of life, not to break down. If you think back to those pictures of the sitcom men. You know, sitcom men can be humorous, but I don't know about you guys. It's not the kind of guy I aspire to be. You know, that kind of guy sitting on the couch, zoning out. Um, These guys aren't competent. They're not capable. Instead, life sort of just happens to them, and they just barely get by. Um, In truth, God blesses men when they bear up under pressure um, and when they're ready to sacrifice and even suffer to accomplish the, the things that he's given them to do. So God, first of all, he calls us to be strong. So men get a grasp on life, a strong grasp on life. Men are also called to be courageous 
and move forward in what is right. So again, if we look back to those verses, God calls, God commands Joshua three times to be strong and courageous. And if we look at that Hebrew word for courageous, some of the ideas that it carries is being steadfastly minded and hardened. So as we get that strong grip and as we start moving through life, there's going to be a lot of things that come our way that um, can really discourage us, that can knock us off course. Um, and, you know, what we have to do is we have to continue to move forward and right, even when that discouragement comes, even when things get really hard, even when things don't work out the way that we thought, we still have to continue moving forward in what is right. And something that's interesting to note here is that God does not command us to feel courageous. He calls us to be courageous. So what does that mean? That means that we have to choose to take courage in a situation and to wade into what is right, um, not to just wait until we feel courageous to act and to move. I think a great example of this was a man, um, Winfred Boniface, um, also known as St. Boniface. He lived in the 700s. He was a missionary reaching out to the Germanic peoples. And there was one point in his life when he was in this area that had this mighty oak tree. And uh, this oak tree was worshipped as being sacred to the gods um, of these people. And so with some other Christians, he saw what was going on. So what does Boniface do? Boniface picks up an axe, walks over that tree, and starts to chop it down. Now, in the midst of this, this great blast came from heaven and actually felled the tree, split it into four pieces onto the ground. And all these people that a second ago had been cursing Boniface as this enemy of their gods thought maybe they should reconsider. Maybe this god that Boniface was talking about really actually had some power and their tree did not. Now, so, you know, something to think about here is Boniface had no way of knowing what was going to happen to him. He could have started chopping down this tree and all these worshipers who were standing there while he was doing this could have come and chopped him down. Instead, he saw something that was not right. He saw the situation in which these people had been sadly deceived about who was God. And so he courageously moved forward to show them who the true God was, not knowing what was going to happen to him. But God really worked through him in that situation. Um, so God, first of all, calls us to get a strong grasp on life. Secondly, he calls us to courageously move forward in what is right. And finally, God also calls us to obediently trust in, in him. If we look back to that movie of King Arthur, um, and in fact to, you know, most of those sort of blockbuster picture of men, um, what we see is that when these guys need to endure, when they need courage, what they tend to do is they find power within themselves. You know, even in this movie where Excalibur gives Arthur special powers, it's giving him special powers because of who he is, the rightful heir of the throne. Uh, what the Bible shows us, however, is that real strength, courage, and power actually flows out of trust and faith in God. So if we look back at Joshua 1 through, uh, Joshua 1, 1 through 9 again, there's a couple of things I want to highlight here. If we look at verse 2, my servant Moses is dead. Now, therefore, go arise over the shore to you and all these people into the land that I am giving them. This is God talking to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised to Moses. If we look down at verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. So what we see here is it's actually God who gives the victory. Um, 
you know, looking back to that picture that I was talking about, concrete, steel, the, the way buildings work is buildings are built on foundations of concrete and steel. And, you know, really that foundation is allowing that building to hold up. If it's not a good foundation, that building is going to come crashing down. But the reality of the matter is it's actually the earth that holds the building up. The foundation is simply a conduit to take all the weight of that building and transmit it to the earth. Likewise, if the building is responsibilities, the things God has given us to do, we are a conduit of strength and power. It's God who really holds things up in the end. It's God who's doing the work of holding up this building. He's using us as a tool to do that. Um, So we take strength and courage moving forward as we trust that God is going to carry out his will as he is going to act in our situation for what is best. If we look back at verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, your servant, has commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then in verse 9, God says, For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so what God is telling Joshua is, I'm going to give you the power to accomplish victory. I'm going to give you the power to be strong and courageous. You need to trust me that I'm going to work. And the way that you're going to trust me is by obeying me. Um, we're not going to you know, go from the right or to the left from obeying him. Um, but we're going to be careful to do according to all that God has said. And as we do this, we can know that God is actually going to be with us, that his power is going to work through us, that he will empower us to move forward and to have good success. So again, what does a man do? He gets a firm grip on last, a firm a grasp on, or strong grasp on life. He courageously moves forward in what is right, and he obediently trusts in God. So I'm going to actually shift gears a little bit right now, and I want to look. I'm going to look at two guys who have lived this out. Two guys who have lived as men. And the first of these men was a boy, actually. Um, it was David who ultimately became king over Israel. So at the point in history we're going to be looking at, it's actually recorded in the book of First Samuel. And what was going on is that the Israel army had lined up for battle against from the Philistine army. And so each and every day, these two armies would line up across from each other. And this one guy would come out from the Philistine lines and he would basically taunt the people of Israel. He would taunt this army of Israel and basically would say, send over one guy to fight me. Whoever wins this battle will enslave the enemy army. So this is all we got to do. You know, just come over and fight me. Now, what did this do to the army of Israel, the people of Israel? It actually greatly terrified them and made them dismayed. And the reason for it is because this guy was Goliath, who you may have heard of from David and Goliath. And he was a big, scary warrior. So when the people of Israel saw this, they would just get scared each and every day. Now, David at this time was a youth, perhaps around the age of 16. It's not completely clear. And his father had sent him to come visit his brothers who were at the battle lines. So David hears what's going on, and he decides that something, you know, something needs to be done about this. So let's look at 1 Samuel 17, 32-37. So David here is talking to Saul, who's the king over Israel at this time. And Saul had, had learned that David was planning to go and try to confront this warrior, Goliath. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. That's Goliath. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. 
For you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war since his youth, from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of, the, out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said to, and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. So what was happening in this situation is that David saw something that was not right. Goliath was dishonoring God. He was, he was defying the living God. And, you know, David had a clear understanding of what his role of, even as a boy, his role was to be a servant of God. Um, and so he sought to move forward in defending the honoring, the, defend the honor of God, even though it was going to be walking into this terrifying situation. So he, he took care, courage and sought to move forward, even into something with uncertainty. Now, something also to note here is David had some accolades. You know, I don't think many of us can say by the age of 16 that we had killed lions and bears. And in case, in case any of you are big game hunters, he wasn't using a gun. So this was a guy who, you know, he obviously had some skill. But what we can see from this verse is David knew that even then it was God who had been working through him. It was God that had given him power and victory. And that in this situation, it was God who was going to give him um, power and potentially victory as well. Because David couldn't have known for sure what was going to happen. Instead, he he courageously moved forward, trusting that God was going to work, trusting that God was going to uphold his honor. So the next time that Goliath stood in front of Israel to taunt that army, David walked to confront him. So if we look at verse 46 and 47 in the same chapter, David here is talking, talking to Goliath. And what he says is this day, this day, not this day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your, cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. So in case you haven't heard the, you know, this story, I actually recommend that you go and read it. But what happened is David won. He did exactly what he said. God gave him power, strength, and courage to move forward and to defeat Goliath. So even though David was a youth, he acted like a man. He was strong, he was courageous, and he obediently trusted God. Now, I, I know that stories of ancient days can actually be a little hard to relate to at times. You know, most of us aren't going to war, you know, with giants. Um, so I actually want to give you a story as well of a man, um, more recently, someone who really lived the life of a man. So, um, Neil Walker, who probably many of you know, is a member of CIV here in Alhambra, and he has led Christian Challenge at USC. He started that, um, ministry, I, I believe around 30 years ago. Um, and the, the story I want to highlight in specific is the story of how Neil came out here to USC um, and to start this ministry. And so God, or God had called Neil to, to lead a ministry, and he was sensing that from God. And in trying to figure out exactly where, that, where he was going to go, what that was going to look like, you know, offers actually came to Neil. Um, and some of these offers included such novel things as being paid 
And, you know, being actually one was they were offered a house for him and his family to live in. Um, Neil, however, started to get a sense that God may actually be calling him out here to Southern California um, and to start something at USC. Now, you know, I just want to compare these two offers. Getting paid a house, not a whole lot over here. Neil was actually going to have to raise his own support. Um, you know, he was not being provided a house. He was going to have to find a way to provide for his family. And there was nothing for him to start with. He was building a ministry from the ground up. Um, now, I know, you know, and in case it wasn't obvious, Neil um, obeyed God. He really saw that God was calling him out here. And he decided to come out here. Now, I know this hasn't been an easy journey for him or his family, but it has been a joyful one. Um, Neil got a firm grasp on his um, responsibilities before God. He was a servant of God and needed to obey what God was telling him to do. And he courageously came out here into unknown, into less security in order to obey God. And then as he got here, he got a strong handle on what it was going to take to build a ministry and day in and day out, courageously move forward in that, obeying God along the way. And, and what that has done is Neil has built a ministry that has influenced the lives of thousands of people, many, some of you right here in this room, many of you right here in this room, and influenced the lives of many thousand more through those he has directly influenced. Um, I mean, what a legacy of manhood that really is. Um, you know, not easy, but a great legacy. Now, I actually want to give a quick side note to this. You know, we've been talking today about what it means to be a man um, and looking at these three things. But these, these, you know, having a strong grip on our responsibilities, courageously doing what God has shown us and obediently trusting him, these are actually things that women are supposed to do as well. Um, it does look differently. It plays out differently because of the way that God has made men and women different. And I actually want to highlight Melinda Walker as well. Because in the midst of the same situation, she is a great example of living these out. Because she knew all the opportunities as well, but she chose to courageously come out here. She chose to really align herself with Neil, you know, to obey God, and to really strengthen herself and her family that they may be a help to building this ministry. Um, and so, again, she was really strong in strengthening the family. She was really courageous in coming out and really obeyed God as she followed Neil in doing this. So, again, I just wanted to do that as a side note. Um, so, what, you know, what God has called men to is to bear up under pressure, to sacrifice for things greater than ourselves. He hasn't called us to a life of ease. Um, so when we get a really firm strong grasp on life, on our responsibilities, when we courageously move forward in what is right, and when we obediently trust God, we act like men. And God can do great things through us. Through some of the examples we've seen today, he can defeat giants. He can influence thousands and thousands of people. Or like Joshua, David, and Neil, he can build his kingdom here on earth. So, I'd really encourage all the guys out there, including myself, because this isn't easy, to, to really work on getting a firm grasp, a strong grasp on our responsibilities in life, to courageously move forward in what is right, and to obediently trust in God. So I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping up this morning. I want to go ahead and invite the band to come back up. If you look at the back bottom side of your listening guide or on the uh, back of your connection card, which if you haven't finished filling out, 
I would go ahead and invite you to finish filling it out right now. There's a couple of next steps. And the reason that we do next steps um, each week is it's because it's really in the applying of God's word um, that we get the blessing of it and that we experience real life change. So I really encourage you to find a way to go ahead and apply God's word to your life. If one of these three doesn't make sense to you, you can come up with your own as well. So the first possible next step is to pick one way that you can get a firmer grasp on an area of life this week. If you try to do it all at once, it may be too hard. So I just pick one area to try to get a firmer grasp on life. Two, choose to move forward in something you know is right despite how you feel. Again, we're not called to feel courageous. We're called to be courageous. And finally, choose to trust God enough to obediently follow him in an area of life that he has shown you is right. So as we receive our offering in a minute, you can go ahead and take that connection card and drop it in the offering. Um, Something that we're going to be having today to celebrate um, looking at movies, we're actually going to be having kettle corn afterwards. So, you know, we have this beautiful courtyard upstairs. We're going to be having kettle corn out there. I really just... uh, invite you all to join us to hang out for a while, eat some kettle corn, and just have some fun. So let me go ahead and pray, um, and then we'll keep going moving forward. God, just thank you. Thank you that you give us the opportunity to be a part of what you are doing in this world. Um, We know it's not easy, but we just thank you that you will give us the strength, the power um, to do great things, Lord. So we pray that you'd help us just not to focus on ourselves, but to really put our sights on you. And may you use us for your glory. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.